Hi, I'm Pete, and welcome to the latest edition of EdTech Innovators. This week, we're joined by Michael Forshaw from EdTech Impact and Innovate My School. And he'll be talking to us about the ways in which the EdTech industries are trying to navigate those difficult waters between EdTech and education. So, Michael Forshaw, um, hello and welcome. And please tell me there are no sound problems. Hi, Pete. And I can hear you perfectly. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so um, we just while we were trying to um, make sure that the sound was okay, we were talking about the one of the central issues with um, edtech, and that's the, um, the, the 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 technical issues that we all encounter, and the way that um, that kind of thinking that you need to get past those technical issues involves some very old school skills and way of thinking. Um, so, for example, I was talking about how. Um, I have, I've had to go into my car to record this because of Storm Kira making it too noisy in my office and of course affecting the, the Wi-Fi and it's sort of weird, weird enough to look better inside the car. And of course then um, I forgot my glasses when I went inside the car, which means that nothing can happen at all. So that old piece of technology, the pair of glasses, everything happens. <laughs> so um yeah, so what would you like to talk about first? Um, would, it, would it be um, the stuff that you're doing with the DFE or the, the, as an advisor? Sure, yeah, happy to, to dive, dive into that. Great, so you're part of the, the leadership group for the EdTech strategy, aren't you? Yeah, so, so, the, so the, the DFE um, launched the, the EdTech strategy, first one in eight plus years, uh, in April last year, and to support the strategy and ensure that it it has momentum and is listening to the needs of, of, of all stakeholders in the sector. There was an EdTech leadership group formed, uh, half made up from, from industry, half made up from schools, about 25 of us. And uh, yeah, I was kind of invited to, to, to be part of the, the industry side. So yeah, it's, a, it's very interesting. I bet it is. Um, so what what for you have been the obviously you, you go into lots of meetings about this um with some uh, very important people which is nice um what are the challenges that challenges that they're talking about and um how, how do you feel about those i think so, so the, the strategy uh gave a, a number of commitments really to support the ed tech sector um to help it grow and removing barriers so uh, first of all, uh, the focus is to ensure that the initiatives that have been set up are, are able to, to come to fruition and, and deliver uh, the results that we expect. So these are, so far they've launched the EdTech Testbeds uh, program. So that's in partnership with Nesta, the Impact Foundation, building a series of testbeds throughout the UK that can be used in part, with the support of an independent external uh, evaluator to help schools measure the impact of, of different products with a focus specifically on measuring the impact uh, of, of formative assessment tools, uh, essay marking, uh, timetabling and and then around that and so that is underway now and the, the first set of evaluations have, have started. Uh, I think we had uh, 200. Yeah, so, um, I mean, 
yeah so so i mean just to highlight one of these ongoing um tensions if you like that exist in the edtech world um you you go into schools a lot and um sometimes you will encounter some resistance maybe uh, from um, teachers with their arms folded um you might say to you things like um technology doesn't have impact teaching has an impact um so what kind of difficulties do you think that you know you're up against us at tech people if you like are up against with um this sometimes tension if you like between um the fact that you know it's teaching that makes a difference um rather than technology or at least that's how it's perceived by many people yeah i mean there's most schools have usually got some some sort of history of with technology that where it hasn't gone to plan and they've been burnt and therefore that kind of hangs there in everybody's minds um you know it's high stakes in schools and you know it's like in a, in a lesson if, if the tech fails it's a total disaster and it can be difficult yeah. to to want to take that almost risk so i think there's no there's an overhang from from previous failed uh technology implementations or lessons i think budgets you know everybody knows that the difficulties of budget constraints throughout england throughout state schools so do you invest as a as a school as a head teacher into new technology that perhaps doesn't always have the evidence uh, to prove it's going to have the positive impact that you want or do you invest in million and one other things into into staff or cpd so mm -hmm. that could be a challenge uh, and then i mentioned evidence you know there is a lack of evidence really to support uh, teachers taking uh, taking the punt really on, on technology and, and actually delivering the improved outcomes, the effectiveness that often the the technology provider claims it will. Uh, yeah, if, I feel there's a lack of transparency around the evidence of most products. Um, having worked with with hundreds over the last fourteen years, you, you know most most companies will have some anecdotal testimonials perhaps a case study or or a few but um that there often isn't that much more concrete and it's often usually not very independent so uh something that we're trying to tackle through edtech impacts is to, is to help build a more robust independent evidence base for the edtech sector to build up that trust and that confidence that ed technology is, is is worth investing in uh, or that you should at least take the first step and pilot it but yeah. you know, the other thing is, I, I think schools often lack the structure or framework on how to measure impact. You know, they they, they pilot products. Most most teaching and learning tools will offer you a free trial. Well, what does how does the school then conduct that trial? You know, are they thinking about uh, the outcomes that it should be improving? Are they thinking about the impact? Uh, are they setting them? Are they doing the necessary planning and preparation up front before using the tool? Are yeah. they, they making sure they've actually got the infrastructure for, for starters. So, you know, I think I think trials could could be uh, require a better structure from from schools to ensure that the the, the technology gets a better crack at it, uh, mm. proving that have the impact. Often, when I speak to schools, you know, a, a try uh, the impact is judged by whether the students looked engaged. Or whether the the tool is easy to train, you know, how quickly can I train the rest of my staff on this product, um, and is it is it is it cheap? Can can often be a factor. So it, it's a shame, you know, it's it's quite ad hoc. 
and I think some more support around that. And then the other piece, final one really, is what does your edtech strategy say in your school? You know, have you got a digital strategy within your school development plan? Because yeah. if not, well then, how do you know which product you should be using and which one you, you shouldn't? So uh, that is, you know, having those foundations in place is something that we're also supporting schools with for a series of workshops, but to innovate my school. Um, but I think that's that's something that schools lack and need more support around and, and can often uh, have, have quite a big impact on whether a school adopts technology or not. Yeah, so, so some of these, that's sort of trying to deal with the huge issues uh, in education in one short interview, but um, these go to the heart of education and technology, don't they? So firstly, um, education and, and research, um, the idea that you know, research can be people can cherry pick research for their own um, ends, if you like, for their own benefits and be very selective and that can be misleading. Um, and secondly, the, the, the idea that um, sometimes the research is, I often use this phrase as a, as a tyranny of data. There's too much, um, too many quantitative uh, metrics being used in a way that really isn't, isn't transferable to other people's situations, to other people's contexts. Um, so, for example, if I was a, uh, one of these head teachers who you encounter, uh, who may provide some kind of resistance to what you're trying to do, I may say, well, this, this would work in our school because it's totally different from the, where this um, research was carried out. Um, so that's where the research methods have to be a bit more flexible, don't they? So, for example, case studies as opposed to and you know, lots of sort of big data, if you like. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's an endless debate, isn't it? Like what? How robust should your evidence be? You know, should it be a randomised control trial uh, at scale in as many contexts as you can, or actually is it about building more testimonials and case studies of your product uh, working, so to speak, in in different contexts? Um, so yeah, uh, they can be a bit salesy sometimes, can't they? Too, I think you know, you see quite a lot on, on the tech companies' websites that uh, do look a little bit um, salesy at times. Yeah. Yeah, I've been at a few roundtables where it just goes in circles. And actually, the DFE, the first edtech leadership group meeting, very quickly got onto the evidence debate and just went nowhere. And it was just going round and round. And uh, eventually, we had to try and move on. Um, so I think it, it, it is a big one. But I think, you know, I mean, my dad was ahead uh, in Liverpool, Cardinal Heenan, secondary school, all boys school. And, you know, he. It, he would he would meet with his cluster group and be very influenced by what they were using, what other heads within similar schools, within similar contexts, similar characteristics to Cardinal Heenan were using. Um, he always wanted what the head down the road one had, uh, and, and vice versa. So, I think mm. tax to me is powerful and is something yeah. we should, in terms of building the evidence base, it's a built it's about building transparency of your products being used and sharing that feedback from it from your customers of it being used in different contexts around different outcomes so yeah I, I i think that's where i land with it today but ultimately yeah we want it wouldn't it be great if every product had the, the scientific study behind it but you know look at the way that people are influenced and by um as, as consumers you know it's through review sites and it's, it's yeah. through social it's through influences and referrals and, and testimonials. So, 
we need more of that, I think. Um, mm. But simply sharing it around the context that's been used in the school. So, so really, the for the EdTech companies, the golden ticket is a, a large multi academy trust. I think a lot of times, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, every school is going to be slightly different in that trust. Um, so, if you want to roll it out, then start to look at the evidence of it working in the schools to to the schools in your in your trust schools with similar demographics, similar size school, similar deprivation, um, similar number of SEN pupils. You know, all of these characteristics that kind of thing are, are important when it comes to determining which technology tools to, to use. Yeah. Okay, now another um, issue that goes to the heart of this debate, I, I feel, is um, the, the British market and uh, where we're at really in, in terms of, um, well, positivity and, and um, what Brexit coming up and, and so on. So obviously you speak to a lot of ed tech companies and um, they go to bet usually and they're trying to sell to British um, schools and, and British um, multi-academy trusts and universities and colleges and so on. And Britain is not necessarily the best market for edtech, is it? Um, and I know you. I was doing some minor talking of you recently, uh, Michael, and uh, you were out in Dubai, weren't you, um, doing some work? And um, so what would you say about the edtech companies um, targeting the British market? Um, should, should they even bother? Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but it is hard. Um, I mean, I've primarily spent most of my career so far in working with state schools. Um, I've dipped my toe into the independent school networks and spoken at a few events and things, and it seems to be vastly different. Um, so, you know, there's there's some companies doing extremely well cleaning up in that in that space. So it may be worth considering that. Um, but if you really want to tackle uh, the, the, the majority of, of, of the market and really transform and improve social mobility, then you need to look at the state schools. And I think it can be done, but you, you cannot be knocking door by door to try and sell your product. Just don't yeah. even attempt it. Um, every company that you speak to that's been around for a few years will, will tell you the same. They all come to the same conclusion. Um, and, and it's tricky because you've got half the market, uh, multi-economy trust now, and therefore they have got that economies of scale. So they, you know, if you sell to them, you can potentially get that rollout. That said, a lot of them don't do central purchasing and it's just left to individual schools to do their own thing. I believe many are trying to look at moving to, to a more central purchasing team. Uh, and then the rest of the schools, how do you sell to them? It's through building your network and community and referrals and building those influencer schools and hosting regional events and for your customers and inviting along other schools. That seems to work well. Um, it, it's a shame because you know, some of the bigger players, therefore, have with more budget, can afford tele-sales teams, can afford more, more marketing and attend more events. Um, I, I would look at the, the niche, smaller regional events as well. I mean, Bet Show is obviously great for uh, announcing big product launches and most of the community or a lot of the community will be there. 
but it's, it's once a year, what do you do for the rest of the year? And I don't think it's a case of you'll get all your leads for the year from Bet anymore. And you know, yeah. you've, you've yeah. got to keep working uh, throughout and working different channels. So I think mm-hmm. it's about building your own community of, of evangelists um, and really investing in that. And that's how you can start to grow. Um, I mean, some, some people have done it really well. Look at good timetable rock stars, you know, scaling like crazy, uh, good price, good product. Um, it, yeah. It's some experimentation. I think you've got to just listen, listen and listen really to, to what the, the schools are telling you about how to position yourself and how, how to, to grow. And there's definitely a naivety from a lot of companies, either startups who maybe haven't sold to schools before or international companies looking from the outside to the UK and thinking, yeah, the UK is hot. I need to get in there. And I, I hear this quite regularly, by the way. Uh, and I'm like, why have you heard that? Is it because of Brexit? I, I don't know. But someone's telling you, t- telling people in America to get into the UK. And yeah, it, really think about your strategy. It, it, there aren't big districts. There aren't groups to sell to. It's not driven by the government. It's totally fragmented. Um, yeah. So plan your strategy around the market that looks like that. We'll talk about the hotness, just to end on a, uh, an optimistic note, of course. We'll, we'll talk about the hotness otherwise of, of the UK uh, in a minute. Um, before we do, um, what, what do you think about the um, what, what the ad tech companies really need to do with um, the business model? I sometimes say to ad tech companies that the business model isn't so much broken as it's not really constructed yet. Yeah. Uh... You've got to be agile. You've got to iterate. Um, I mean, there was an interesting. It is about customer feedback. There's an interesting report from Beza last year, I think, um, about multi-county trusts. And most schools, uh, most companies, don't actually have a pricing model for mats. And and this is the one thing that all the mats are looking for. They, they want to feel special. They feel they want to know that there's that group deal for them. And majority of companies don't have anything on their on their website aimed at mats. So. Yeah, you've got to speak to as many as you can and, and keep keep iterating until until you find the right one. And I'm not sure there is the, the, the perfect answer. Should you offer a trial? Should you not? Most teaching learning products will. Uh, most will give you an extended trial, three months if you push them hard. Uh, a lot of whole school solutions, uh, learning platforms, behavior management tools, assessment, uh, it costs them too much money to do that. So... You know, they would rather go in and, and really give you a, a good demo and, and, and work with you. But so, yeah, I, I think that they are the two camps. Is it a teaching and learn tool? Is it whole school? And then I would build my model around that. But it, it, it will vary. I mean, obviously, most, most companies will give you that per pupil pricing. I've heard a lot of schools say that that's really frustrating because you can't really forecast accurately on that, that model. Um, some people have some crazy pricing models, like it's per department, or and then it gets really tricky to work out. And when we've been adding companies to EdTech Impact, you, you get to understand all these things. Um, and we were unable to have a filter on price because it's so complex. Um, mm. It's something I'd love to crack. I'd love to build an EdTech checkout that allowed you to really forecast, like if I get this product, it's gonna cost me X. A lot of companies don't wanna tell you the prices. They want you to call them instead. Um, there's no one enforcing it to be shared on the website. Um, mm. So 
you've got to pick up the phone or, or email them and then they'll want to do a demo and you can't blame them but there's no one forcing them to do anything so um, and this is something that the DFE wants to take on they want to try and create more transparency they want to give uh, they want to create an edtech developers toolkit so these yeah. are the things you need to have this is our due diligence this we are GDPR ready we've got our cyber essentials um, we've got uh, a guarantor I don't know maybe, maybe that's a bit, bit too far for some startups but um, and, and then you know what is your pricing uh, what's your evidence uh, yeah so it's something that they're consciously thinking about and we actually spoke about the last uh, EdTech Leadership Group meeting uh, and equally they're looking at a school's EdTech toolkit as well um, that one still needs a little bit more thinking um, and then we're also looking at uh, what can we learn from international EdTech ecosystems what's working in other countries and how can the, the DfE learn from that how can schools in England then learn from that so yeah so the, the, absolutely absolutely and again another central tension that the, the EdTech companies don't want to come across like dodgy builders do they and pluck out figures from from the air um, but at the same time, yeah, if you're, you can't, um, I suppose, come to a, a price that's really straightforward when you, you, you're looking at one multi-academy trust with 30,000 um, pupils uh, compared to one, uh, a single school. It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, just to think outside the box, um, if I may, what do you think about the, the sort of free model um, where instead of the other companies thinking that they're, they're going to have to charge cash-strapped schools, why not look at a free model where they're looking to build equity and um, angel investors and social good and things like that, and, uh, and maybe they're looking at new ways of um, generating income, income streams through collaboration and so on? Yeah, I think that's a sign of the times, that times are hard, so you have to innovate. Um, and I think new interesting models certainly are being explored. I mean, I've heard about a results-based pricing model. So, um, without naming wow. the company, but basically they would be very happy to charge you if they deliver the savings that they claim they can they can make on your school. Um, concerns are, well, <laughs> that could be me, pay, as a school, paying you 50 grand. Um, that's quite scary. I think it needs a bit of kicking around and the founder was sort of asking for feedback to me. I said, well, you're probably going to have to cap it. But yeah, I think some schools would, would be interested in that. I mean, the free one, yeah, free, schools like free. Um, but, you know, then what is the catch? Well, it's usually your data um, is how they're going to monetize it. There's, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's some companies that have done free well, but there's lots also who have struggled to, to then monetize it. Um, from what That's I can right, see, yeah. Yeah, the best example is is Kahoot, of course, isn't it? And you know, all about um, about equity. They've just built this massive equity through being free uh, to everybody. But uh, that's easier said than done, of course. Yeah, I'm a bit skeptical that it's the right way to go in education because yeah, at some point, you know, if you're going down the investor route, many many do, then you've got to be able to prove you're going to be able to monetize this at some point and how the customer's going to feel. Um, so I've, I've seen many struggle with that and then get stuck trying to raise the next round or the first round or, because they, they, they couldn't monetize it. 
correctly. But uh, and, yeah, there's, there's many cases in other verticals where, where it has worked well. So um, I think it'd be interesting to see how that develops over the next few years. Very much so. Okay, so I said that um, we wanted to end on a, on a high for, for very good reasons. And, and, and I'll start by saying that the reason why we're so obsessed with this, Michael, I, I'd imagine, is because these are um, really, really, really exciting times, aren't they? Uh, in so many ways. Of course, they're scary. Of course, of course they're precarious. But these times are extremely exciting. And what would be your take on that in terms of ed tech and, and education? So what 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 should we be excited about? Um, I mean, there's there's lots of really exciting products coming coming through. Um, I'm seeing quite a lot more supporting schools around uh, around building up their their their, 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 their soft skills. Um, there's a lot of well-being products using pos positive psychology, um, really to to to, for, to help boost health and well-being at, at a primary school level. There's a lot of play-based learning tools now. Um, there's some really good international products, particularly from Finland, coming to the fore. Uh, I think schools are spoiled for choice um, with yes. products in, in many areas now. Some of them are quite saturated, so now it's a case of finding the best ones. But yeah, the ed tech market, you know, there's lots of reports saying how much it's growing year on year. So ed tech, there's a ton of ideas. It's now getting it through to the schools, and I think schools are becoming savvier there's a big promise of lots of funding from boris you know when will it happen but you would assume there's going to be some so i, I think it's reasons to be cheerful um mm. definitely and a lot of you uh, uk-based edtech companies uh you know when when they go international fair first or they, they they go international and they end up making more money they always want to come back um and i'm seeing lots of examples of that too so and now with the DFE strategy and a dedicated DFE edtech team, uh, and, and a really smart one at, at that, who are, who are passionate about fixing the problems, uh, regardless of what people may think of the, the departments as a whole, the edtech team are great. And I think we will see some positive initiatives that will unite the sector, uh, yes. and get rid of these silos from an industry side. Um, and. I'm, I'm particularly excited to, to see all of this and, and be part of it. So, yeah, let's leave on a high. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. And, and thanks so much for, for doing all of this work. And, and it's so good that both the EdTech sector and um, the individual schools and, and Muslim Academy Trust, et cetera, will be uh, really grateful for the work that you do. That's it for EdTech Innovators this week. Next week, we'll be joined by Ron Cole, who'll be talking to us about super reading, which claims to improve your reading time significantly, which could save you a great deal of time and even a great deal of money. Until next week, see you later. <laughs>